Hey guys, today we are bringing in some new elements to the podcast and I am going to be posting videos that connect to each audio podcast on YouTube. So you might be catching me through YouTube, you might be catching me through the podcast, but I exist in both places now. So go subscribe over on YouTube if that's where you prefer to hear the information or maybe if you just wanna look at my face, maybe if you just like, what does that girl even look like? Well, now you'll know, I'm over here on YouTube. So go check that out, doing new things. We today are going to talk about our year in review. What have you and I done together as podcast hosts and podcast listener? And then we're going to dive into atheism and how the enemy is at work and using people's rejection or disbelief in God for his favor. And we're going to talk about some cultural application, of course. So let's check it out. This is the Gaining My Perspective podcast, and you're hanging here with me, Wendy Cunningham. You're here to get empowered, inspired, informed, and encouraged as we navigate the everyday journey of this crazy life. Stick around, because we're going to laugh, and we're going to learn. And above all else, we're going to gain perspective. Hey, guys. Okay, I am doing a new thing. I know it's not the new year just yet, but I am doing a new thing, and that is putting my podcasts on a YouTube channel to cross-pollinate and cross-populate one search result engine to another. (laughs) So hopefully this will broaden my reach and um, increase my visibility what have you. Obviously, I'm not on the traditional social media like Instagram or the Facebook. So I need to get creative. And I also have a vlog, as you might know by now, it's at Raising Cunningham's on YouTube. And that's been really fun. I've been doing an episode every day, just kind of following our homeschooling, homesteading, parenting, life on the farm in Tennessee. And um, we've gotten a lot of just great feedback. And it's been exciting to see how that's kind of growing and moving and shaking. And I actually just got a really cool um, thing from Spotify that was showing me kind of giving me feedback on like my year in podcasting, which is really exciting because I did start my podcast, what, gosh, early 2021, for those of you who are new to the podcast. And so I am closing in on two complete years of podcasting just about every week, which is cuckoo crazy, right? I mean, that is, to me, just quite a feat. I don't know how I'm doing it. I haven't been perfect, but I've tried to be very consistent. There's always so much to talk about. So I wanted to share some of the statistics just to celebrate with you guys. And thank you for giving me a listen and following. And if you can subscribe on any platform, choose your platform, Apple, Apple podcast, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you like to get your streaming, that would be awesome. And in particular, of course, go check out Raising Cunningham's on YouTube if you want to get just a completely different version of me, not political at all, just my life as it happens. Um, give that a follow. Okay, this has finally pulled up on Spotify. 
So in 2022, I created 1,555 minutes of new content, which is more apparently than 86% of other creators in my category, which is just insane. I mean, I guess that's the advantage of um, being consistent, (laughs) I guess, right? Like committing to showing up and doing the thing, even though I'm not sure who cares or who's listening, right? Um, The Great Reset, which I actually did at the very beginning of 2022, what has been my most popular podcast of the year. I think it's actually my most popular podcast ever. So go check that out where I explain what the great, great reset is and how I see that unfolding. Um, I remember it very well coming home from a trip to Miami and we were in the car and I was driving and learning about the great reset, just kind of on a deeper level. And I had all this revelation from Holy Spirit. So that's where that podcast was inspired. So go check that out if you haven't yet heard that. My most popular place the podcast is streamed, of course, is the United States. But randomly, I'm like making it over to Africa and some places in the UK, too. So, hey, thank you for the non-local folks who are giving this a listen. That's exciting. I had 131% more listeners in October than my average week. So I did something pretty spectacular in October. I'm not sure which, but those are good episodes to go look at whatever aired in October. (laughs) If you're like, where should I begin with this podcast that I might just be coming across? Or maybe you missed some podcasts. I am, my podcast is in the top 30% most shared globally. That's cool. 42% of you are sharing it by text. I really, really, really appreciate that. Um, Of course, this is Spotify statistics, and I hardly think Spotify is the largest podcast streaming. I'm not trying to um, downplay this exciting stuff. This is really great and exciting stuff. But thank you for sharing. I really, really appreciate it. I wish I didn't have all this congestion. I feel like it's really just uh, distracting me a little bit. My podcasts are very enthusiastic. My podcast listeners, excuse me, are very enthusiastic. They tend to listen to multiple of my podcasts. So I am just, again, so grateful. This is a end of the year, not quite the end of the year. I'll do some more before the end of the year. 80% of my listeners have come to me this year. 80% of who listens are new to me as of this year, which just goes to show consistency because I did it all year in 2021 as well, but I have grown a tremendous amount and 18% of you listeners started with the great reset. So apparently that was just content that you all are really, really into. And I'm super excited about that for you guys that you got something out of that. And of course for me too. So 80% followers up, I'm 3% more hours, whatever that means in 2022 just going through this with y'all because I thought it was really cool to get some of these statistics. Okay. I am a top 10 podcast for 38 of my fans and I'm the number one podcast for four of you guys. I don't know where they get this uh, information. Are you guys being quizzed? If you are, please tell me in the comments or shoot me an email and tell me how this information was gathered because Now I'm very curious. 
So there you go. That's how it's going for those of you who are listening to this podcast. What was the last thing? Let's see here. Oh, uh, uh, over a thousand minutes. I said that three countries are listening. Um, cool. Good stuff. Good content, right? Or hopefully, hopefully this is good content for you guys. Today, I wanted to talk about atheism and the occult. Not so much, well, I'm going to tie in some stuff that's happening here in the local, not in the local, what is happening in culture, in the news, right? And I have to say this Balenciaga, 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 I have heard of this brand zero times before they made it into the news recently because I am a mom who lives on a farm. A mom who lives on a farm, I am not a brand person. This is not a shame if you are someone who loves this brand or loved, hopefully that's past tense. If you don't know what's happening with them, they launched an ad recently where there was sad looking children in like strewn about rooms with like wine glasses and stuff and like holding teddy bears that had, you know, like bondage type outfits on the teddy bears was very strange. They immediately got some kickback, which I'm like, that gives me hope for humanity that they got some immediate kickback. But then they launched, they said, oh, sorry, they pulled it down. And then they put up some different content that actually had like in the background, there was like a Supreme Court case. Like if you zoomed in on the the paperwork on the table, there's like a Supreme Court case that actually had to do with child pornography. So it's like weird that that would happen twice, kind of like depicting children in a like subjugated or abused or sad or, you know, just in a negative, like in an evil, let's say, in an evil light in a strange way, it's just, it's, it's curious that that would happen twice. And, and in their apologetic, oh, we're so sorry, we posted that the first time. Let's put up this second ad campaign. And it's like, the same, except for more hidden. (laughs) And then they're like, Oh, never mind. Sorry about that. Also, we're going to sue the set designers, like, their apology has been really interesting. It's a terrible situation. It's obviously super awkward. And it's very revelatory of what just the deep seated evil that we're dealing with. This is a mainstream, very elite, very, very fancy, very expensive brand. And this is the ad campaign, two ad campaigns they launched, the way they're handling it. Kim Kardashian is like a brand ambassador for them. And she's not pulling out. She's just like, I'm mortified they did this i'm hoping they'll take responsibility she should obviously be severing her contract but you know i'm not kim kardashian obviously so she can do what she needs to do but i i got to thinking about atheism and the occult and this overt evil and how these things kind of all fit together it's a lot it's it seems to me to be so much in plain sight so much right there in front of our eyes that it's it's hard for me as a believer to even remember a time when I wasn't a believer. So most of you know this if you've listened to any of my podcasts, but I used to be an atheist and I want to talk about like the definitions of what atheist means 
because oftentimes people assume atheists can or some atheists worship Satan or believe in the devil. And that is not true. The true definition of atheism is not believing in anything, any kind of a deity or anything that you can't prove. Right. So God you don't believe there could be a God you, and therefore you don't believe there is a Satan or a devil or hell or heaven or any of these things that are, you know, basically based in Christianity or other, other religions. You reject the entire premise. Okay. That's, that's kind of one category of people that would define themselves as atheists. And that's truly where I was. And then there's the other people who, call themselves atheists. And I would say this is actually the bigger category of people. And this would be people who are rejecting God. It's not that they don't believe there could be a God. I actually feel that most atheists do believe there could be a God, but they're rejecting God and they're choosing to um, cut themselves off from a connection to God. And this is what we see in uh, end times in Revelation, right? We read about the people that know for sure, the people who are here in those those seven years of tribulation, they know for sure that this wrath is coming from God. There's no question about that, but they are still rejecting and still wanting to do it in their own strength and, and preferring death and eternal separation, essentially, to you know, surrendering to God or acknowledging that God is as savior and Lord over your life, the the creator of you, right? Someone who loves you deeply. So it's this interesting, I find that the the revelation atheists, those who are just refusing God are actually the broader category of atheists in today's world. So where do these two categories come from? The the don't believe that God is even possible. Most of the time this is coming from, if not all of the time, not enough information or a misunderstanding of the information or a lack of understanding of the information or a there's just no desire and certainly no um, diving into the scriptures, the history, the, the historical accuracy of the scriptures or the other documents that support the scriptures. So most of the time you're going to find that that is just a lack of exposure. They don't know enough or they know the wrong thing or they've been told the wrong thing, which puts them in a place of guarding themselves against finding more information out. This is where I was. Absolutely. I was no one in my family ever went to church. No one believed in God. So of course that was handed to me as my belief system. I was like, sounds good. Public school tells me evolution, big bang, no God. I'm like, sounds good. Still aligning. Um, I got into college before I was really ever investigating anything. If, and I really wasn't doing that even in college, but I at least was engaging in understanding the information more, but I was still rejecting the entire premise because I'm like, no, I'm right. Now I'm in my 20s, my early 20s. I've believed this my whole life. Surely I'm not wrong. I'm right, right? That's ego and pride. That's how the enemy works in us. So that, at that point, I'm rejecting the exposure to more information. And as I talk about in my book, what if you're wrong? Check it out. Amazon, Westbow Press, any place you can buy a book, you can find my book. I kind of go through this journey and how did I, how did I go from being an atheist to not, and it is an unraveling of a whole lot, specifically pride, ego, and of course, what you have believed your whole life, all the things you think, all the things you believe, all of that has to go, all of it's really hard. It isn't good news. 
when you're an atheist and you find out you're wrong or you're starting to wonder if maybe you are wrong about God, it is not good news initially. It is really devastating, not just for your your ego, but it's also devastating for your family members and all you thought you knew for sure. You know, like you you feel really mis misled and deceived, which you are. That is the truth. That is what has happened. So that's one batch of atheists. And then we have the rejection of God, right? Which these oftentimes, these are the atheists that actually did grow up in, in church. They, they come from believing families. They have at some point chosen to walk away from God. Now, those people still can fall in the first category, which is that they maybe don't have the full picture. Maybe they have been exposed to a gospel that is flawed or untrue based on man's interpretation. They've not dug into the scriptures for themselves. They've been given false information, false doctrine. All of that is is very true and possible. But then there's also the premise of, you know, when I've talked to, to people who have said that they're atheists and I ask them, you know, why are they atheists? If they respond to me with some sort of, why is the world so evil? Why is everything's so unjust. If God is real, why do bad things happen to good people? Then those are people who are not true atheists. Those are people who recognize there likely is a God. They're questioning the character of God. They're not rejecting God because they think he might not be real. And again, if you're this person, I'm not trying to put, I'm not trying to project things onto you. I'm just kind of explaining my, through my lens and my experience and my perspective, what I have gathered from my conversations over the years. So it's a rejection of God because you fear, wonder, speculate, know, let's say, he is not good. Why would you trust or believe in something or someone that you believe is not good? Why would you give your life? Why would you surrender? Why would you pursue knowing someone you believe is not good, right? If your first impression or if the information you have or if the evidence you have looking around this very fallen world is that it is evil and unjust and unfair, which is true. And if God is the creator of this, I don't want to know God. Okay, that's totally reasonable. And that's actually the second part of my journey coming to faith. I went from God can't be real to God might be real, but he sounds like a really bad guy. Right. So I kind of went from um, disbelief in God to denial of God. Right. Two different kind of places where your heart is. Right. Um, and perhaps it's even you've been hurt by the church or you've been hurt by a person in the church, a pastor. You have been rejected by the church. Like there's usually some deep wounding there, some questioning and there is evil. And again, this is an important step in your journey to faith. This is, if this is the type of atheist that your friend, family member, husband, you know, cousin, nephew, whoever is, there's hope for this because this is, again, you're in a place where you may not consciously, but subconsciously are recognizing there could be a higher power. I just don't want him, right? That's an okay place to be in. I mean, you've got some stumbling blocks to get over. Don't get me wrong. But at least there's an acknowledgement there of a higher power. So the issue is where atheism and the occult crossover. And when I say the occult in this context, I know that it means and includes a lot of things. I'm just talking about Satan, the devil, and worshiping of Satan or 
Satan's work here on earth. So maybe not the occult, maybe that's not the right word for this, the context that I'm trying to bring, but Satan, Satan's role here on earth and how these are connected, right? If you've read this book, The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, it's so great. I've read it a couple of times and I, I totally recommend it. The premise behind this book, and I, the reason why I'm bringing this up is I feel like it explains it really well, how how atheism and Satan kind of fit together. I mean, even though atheism is not worshiping or even acknowledging Satan, Satan loves it. He uses atheism and he spreads atheism and he wants immorality, which if you're an if you're atheistic, there is no morality, right? If there is no God, there is no morality that is standardized or or collective, right? Those are values that like morality comes from the Bible. Like what is right and wrong? If there is no God, then right or wrong is is relative or subjective, which is where we get our culture today, where it's perfectly fine to do this. It's perfectly fine to do that. When some of us Christians are like, I'm appalled by your desire to do that. That's crazy. That's immoral, whatever. We can see it very clearly because we're looking through a different lens as Christians, as believers. We can see where the morality lines are. Now, if you remove Christian and you have atheism, atheism or atheistic worldview, then morality is blurred. Satan obviously loves this. This is where he does his best work. And I think I'm going to get to C.S. Lewis in a minute here. This is also something you should know about me if you're just coming across this podcast is I just bounce around. I have some notes sometimes, but I just go. I just go where Holy Spirit's leading me. It's a, This is where Satan uses atheism absolutely to his advantage. And this is something I realized looking back on my life. We are all being manipulated by Satan. We are all being manipulated all the time by our enemy. The Bible says that our enemy is not flesh and blood, right? But principality, principality is like, it is spiritual. Our enemy is Satan. Our enemy is Lucifer. Our enemy is the devil, whatever name you want to put to him. That is our one enemy. And we are being manipulated to think our enemy is our husband. Our enemy is our children. Our enemy is my Christian neighbor. My enemy is whoever else it might be. We are all being manipulated. Those who are closed off to the possibility of God are not as they might think. They are not guarding themselves from this manipulation. Oftentimes, myself included, people remain atheistic because they do not want to be manipulated by Christian principles, Christian values. They do not want the accountability that comes with Christianity, being accountable to a creator. They reject that. They don't want that. I was included in this. I know some of my family members, this is absolutely where they're at. They do not want that accountability. So they see that as manipulation. They don't want that. They reject that. And, and they feel that they are guarding themselves from this manipulation by rejecting God. But they're actually closing themselves off to ever being free of the manipulation. Think about that. The only way we become free of the manipulation is through living our life in tune with God's will hearing Holy Spirit, listening, discerning, learning the way of righteousness. The Bible says that you must be holy because I am holy. What is holiness? Holiness is set apart. Holiness is righteousness. Holiness is perfect goodness, not just being good, but perfect goodness. 
we cannot be holy in our own strength, right? We cannot be good, perfectly good in our own strength. That comes through the ever losing <laughs> life attempt at at getting ourselves in alignment with God's will. That is the only way that we are truly free of the manipulation is when we are walking in God's will, because God as our creator knows exactly what is perfect for us. He knows exactly where we will be most fulfilled, most content, most joyful. He knows that he designed us. He knows our innermost parts. He knows us better than we know us. So the path that he has for us actually fulfills us the very most. So the more that we aim to be in alignment with that, the more we're going to find freedom, joy, contentment, fulfillment, all of those things. The manipulation is not coming from him. The manipulation is coming from the enemy to keep us off that path. And as a former atheist looking back on, on this, going, okay, I thought I was free. I thought I got to, I could do whatever I want. And boy, did I do whatever I wanted. I did awfully immoral, immoral things, sadly, <laughs> as a mama three and a wife and a Christian. Now I'm like, oh gosh, thank goodness that Jesus washes us clean of all that because I would carry a tremendous amount of shame if I didn't believe that Christ truly washed us free of it, right? I was not walking in freedom. I was walking in tremendous, tremendous bondage and hurt and wounding. And as much as I was being rejected, I would then reject my own self-interests by, for example, like if a, if a boy or a man or a, whoever would reject me, then I would go, okay, screw you, excuse my French, I'm going to go sleep with this person to like, I don't need you, I have this. Like, that's not how you correct that type of wounding. That's actually how you continue to further wound, right? And yet we see that as like freedom of choice and freedom of expression and sexual freedom and all the things. Oh my gosh, I can see now looking back just how lost I was. And it's so sad. And I know so many people who are still living in that feeling like I can choose who I am. I can choose my gender. I can choose. And we know that's a great example. We know that if you choose the gender outside of what your natural biological design is, it does not statistically equal more happiness, more joy. It actually statistically leads to more suicide, more deep depression, more anxiety, more feelings of rejection, more feelings of regret, right? This is all played out in the data. So the reason why I went back to C.S. Lewis here, and I'm going to circle all this back to Balenciaga, however that brand is pronounced. Um, he talks in this book so well about so many things, but the premise in this book is Screwtape is a demon and he is writing letters to his nephew, who is a brand new demon on the scene. And every demon, there's there's one demon per person. In the book, they're called patients. A person is called a patient. There is one demon per patient on earth. And your job as the demon is to keep, obviously, is to win a soul for for our father, as they call him in the in this book, our father being Satan, the enemy being God. It's all reversed in this book. It's so wild. And it gives you such a different perspective on the ways of the enemy of our soul. This is fiction, mind you, but C.S. Lewis, I feel like was so blessed and gifted in the Holy Spirit and discerning that this is truly a window into what is just such an interesting perspective. You've got to read it. 
but he talks about in each each chapter is a letter from Screwtape the Uncle mentoring this brand new demon, his nephew. And he talks about in the book, in one of the letters, how their goal actually is not to be recognized as demons. They know that if they are exposed as demons, then that in in and of itself actually exposes spirit, the spiritual world, which, which points to God, right? So they're, they want to be overtly, not overtly, I'm sorry, covertly manipulating you. They don't want you to ever know that there is a force, a spiritual demon or a, an enemy of your soul that would be after the, after you, that would, per, that would be pursuing you all the time. They don't want you to know that. So they're never going to be overt. They're never going to reveal themselves. They being the demons, their whole goal is to get you to do what they want, basically to coax you into passivity, to coax you into not learning about this or that, not participating. It goes into a million examples and scenarios where this is borne out in actual real life. It's so wild. It even presents the premise. And again, this book was written long before the movement of believing in the universe, like the universe has your back and all of these things that point you towards a higher power that is not God, which I feel like is not only wildly irresponsible to point people towards a higher power that is not God, because it allows you to say, oh, yeah, I believe in higher power. The universe has spiritual forces and blah, blah, blah. But there's no accountability there. So you're actually now still being manipulated by the enemy, but now you're doing it with your eyes wide open because you're recognizing there is a higher power, but you're not submitting to the higher power. And the enemy has twisted this to allow for us to acknowledge that higher power. And yet this was written so long ago before that was even a thing. So it goes, it goes on to say, it talks about the life force and the, the energy and stuff that is all so prevalent now in our culture today, right? If once we can produce our perfect work, the material, the materialist magician, the man not using, but veritably worshiping what he vaguely calls forces, air quotes, while denying the existence of spirits, air quote then the end of the war will be in sight. Basically, if we can manipulate them to acknowledge that there's a force without having them acknowledge it is a spirit, we are winning, right? There's so many great examples in this book of how the enemy is using the rejection of God or the pacifism in learning more about faith or learning more about the Bible. And this goes all the way through to Christians. Because there are a number of Christians, if not a majority of Christians, who who believe, but don't know what they believe. They believe in God, they believe in Jesus, but they don't know how true it is. They don't know how provable God is. And this is where I'm like, my mind is blown. Because when we see things in culture like Balenciaga, 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 maybe? I'm going to get there. Balenciaga? This is what happens when you read your news. You never hear things. You never hear it pronounced. And I'm the worst at life and reading. I'm good at reading. I'm just, I can never then say it out loud. I make up words all the time. This is evil in plain sight. This is evil in plain sight. So it is amazing to me 
that Christians do not see what is happening in this world, that Christians are not leaning in and engaging more because we as the church are supposed to be influencing culture. And here we see an elite brand that people love and apparently spend tons of money on. And it's like, just this the biggest thing ever that I never heard about before, before the last couple of days. Apparently it's a big deal. It is, it is culture. Are we influencing culture? Is the church influencing culture or are we leaning away? Do we engage in this conversation and say, okay, this is blatant evil? This is Moloch, right? The God of child sacrifice. This is in the Bible. This is Old Testament stuff. This is not new. There is nothing new under the sun, y'all. This is not new. The fact that there is sex traffic, sex trafficking of children, the fact that there is a abortion epidemic in this country where we are literally sacrificing our children to the pleasures of our own life. We're denying the fact that it's even our child, my body, my choice. I'm not even going to acknowledge it is my child. I'm just going to immediately sacrifice it because I don't want it to disrupt my life because I want my life to look a certain way or my career or my whatever. Even that thought, this is not new. This is Old Testament, y'all. And if you're a Christian, you recognize this and you see this as a sign of the times that we are nearing the second coming. I can't imagine how far off it could be. I know every Christian has said this in every generation, but I'm like, goodness gracious, I was saying to my nine-year-old today, we as Christians are supposed to be watchmen. We are supposed to be recognizing, reading the times. No man will know the day or the time. That is true. We do not know when Jesus is coming back. But it does fill me when I see things like this, making headlines and the evil just right in front of my face, right blatantly in front of the entire world. I go, how close are we? My goodness, it gives me such urgency to share the gospel and be more bold and brave in my evangelism. For one, it also makes me go, how are Christians not leaning into this? How are they not recognizing not only the urgency that they need to have, but how are they not engaging with culture to try to win souls for Jesus? Like, what are we doing here, church? What are we doing here? That's the whole point. That's the reason we're here. And then I go, how on earth is anybody not seeing the enemy at work? And if the enemy is at work, so blatantly, so obviously, so publicly, so in our face. How is there not a God? How is there not a God? How is there not revival in this country? How is Satan winning right now that there is not just people absolutely giving their life over in recognition of if there is an evil of this extent, to this extent, there must be a God. There must be a counter power. And I have to tell you, that there were more things that pointed to evil than there were things that pointed to good. That is true from the way I was seeing the world as an atheist, because you look, you see what you look for. <laughs> if I'm not looking for God, if I'm not looking for goodness, then I absolutely can take for granted the spectacular mountains, the amazing wonder of a tree growing from a tiny seed. I, I just completely miss the wonders of God all around me. And I see evil. I see evil. I see evil. Everywhere, everywhere I look, I see it. injustice and, and not it's not fair. And why is this happening to me? I'm a good person. And that's all I see. We are also, we default to the negative as humans. I don't know if this is our culture or, or just human nature. I have to think it's human nature because it's so widespread. But I just cannot believe 
with enemies with the enemy so blatantly at work how we are not just winning souls over easily how we are not seeing urgency in the church and how we are not um seeing Christians digging into the word of God and moving farther into their faith and learning how very provable our faith really is, how very, you know, I think of Thomas doubting Thomas in the Bible, the disciple that I I will not believe that Jesus was resurrected until I can put my hand in, in his wound. God, I love it. I love a good Thomas because God knows that I am a skeptic. So I'm like, I hear you, Thomas. You need a little proof. I get you. You guys, there's so much proof in the prophe- prophecy books, in the Bible, in the history books, Genesis. There is so much proof in that Bible that God is who he said he was and that Jesus is the son of God and that he did, in fact, die a human death and that he did, in fact, resurrect from the dead. And therefore, it's done. It is finished, as he said. We do not have to worry. It is provable. You can see it. You can be convinced of it. And on my next podcast, I'm going to go into some of that and how you can be entirely convinced because we need as Christians to become entirely convinced because there needs to be an urgency. There needs to be a digging in, a leaning in, in the church so that we can persuade and influence culture. Right now it's working the exact opposite way. I'm seeing Christians leaving the church. I'm not seeing new believers coming in. That's not true. Totally. I'm seeing new believers. There is an amazing work being done, even in my own family. So I would never mind. I erase that statement. God is doing a thing. Absolutely. And people are turning to him. But I'm also seeing people turning away from him. And I'm like, how is that happening? How is it not so obvious for you? So I hope that was enough for you for today. A lot of new stuff, a lot of exciting stuff. What a fun year we've had together, y'all. For those of you who are new, catching this on YouTube, Welcome. I'm so excited to take you along for the journey. Oh my gosh, it's going to be a fun 2023. I am feeling optimistic in things of God. Have a good one. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate this podcast and tell all your friends. And of course, catch me over at gainingmyperspective.com. Heavenly Father, I am just so grateful. I'm grateful for this platform and this year, these last two years, but this year and the success and the way that you have carried this message and my voice and this platform to wherever you've carried it, Lord, I just continue to pray for that to happen, for it to be your will, wherever it's supposed to land, whoever's supposed to come across it, whoever's supposed to hear this message, Lord, and I continue to pray that you give me the convictions and the messages and the things to share, Lord. And I just pray over the ears that are listening, Lord, that it it is moved through me to them, that this conviction, that the challenge, that the push, that the leaning in is transferred from me to the listeners, Lord, and that you are at work in both of us and that you are guiding all of us all the time. We know that you are, you are sovereign, you are good. It's in your son's name we pray, amen.